0: Hello and welcome to Court Martial. I'm your host, Suraj Budathoki. You can find us in FM, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. Today also we will talk about Bhutan, the life of expelled Bhutanese and issues that evolved about 30 years ago in Bhutan. Many involved high-level officials and even the government of Bhutan assumed that this issue had been solved and as most of the Bhutanese resettled, refugees opted for resettlement in eight western countries. Currently about 110,000 Bhutanese refugees found a new home and hope and living away from their loved ones. And thousands are still in Mexican camps in Nepal. In this segment, we will devolve into some significant events that took place before the 1990s, which resulted in forceful mass migration, especially from the southern part of Bhutan. Like thousands of Bhutanese refugees, my guests also lived in refugee camps for decades. I hope this episode will be educational and one of the representative stories of the untold saga that is hidden within the Himalaya. Our guest is Subhas Acharya. Immediately after his resettlement, he worked as a case worker at one of the refugee resettlement agencies in New Hampshire. And now he is a realtor. He is also one of the recipients of the 40 Under 40 Award from Union Leader Newspapers from New Hampshire. Mr. Acharya, welcome to the court-martial. Thank you, it's my pleasure. Uh, Mr. Achira, um thank you uh, for accepting my invitation to come to this uh, show. I want to start off by asking you about your current life. Tell us what do you do, how long have you been in the United States and how did you land up in the United States of America?
1: Right now I live in Ohio and work as, an, um, as a self-employed real estate entrepreneur. Um, I do real estate business. I came to US in 2001, sorry, 2011 as a refugee from um, refugee camps in nepal Um, there's a long story when i say about refugee camp uh, you know um, um, i stayed more than almost two decades in refugee camp with other 100 plus thousand fellow refugees expelled from Bhutan, and you know um spent horrible life um so Mm -hmm. so um through Third country resettlement process. I came to US and and
0: living my new life here in the US. Okay, so in retrospect, uh, how was your life different, uh, you know, back in Bhutan? Um, when we talk about Bhutan, Bhutan
1: is a is a monarchy. Um, I'm like I would say it is, I'm like it is still a monarch, you know, monarchy uh, we
0: will, country. We'll come back to politics later part of this segment. But, uh, you know, you're in United States of America, you, ha- you, are, you have a job. Um, but what do you, uh, you know, uh, think that you are living differently uh, comparing to Bhutan, your life in Bhutan?
1: I was, uh, you know, I was a child when I got evicted. I was just uh, 12 years old uh, in mm. 1993. So um, you know, I grew up in a farm. And the farm that was just you know uh, uh, taken care by uh, care of by my grandfather. Um, so I, I was pretty much a farm boy. Um, but here in the U.S., the lifestyle is different. But even different. if we but even if we compare the life of today's Bhutan and today's U.S., um, the the system people celebrate, people experience. People mm-hmm. enjoy is completely different um, because, as I told earlier, Bhutan it still is, um, you know, a monarchical country. Mm-hmm. It has it has a democracy. They call democratic system is there in the country, but it is mm-hmm. a palace palace controlled democracy. So there, I'm like there is so much difference, you know, um, uh, between Bhutan and US,
0: um, okay. which we which we can't compare. Okay, so maybe uh, later on uh, we'll be able to devolve some of these uh, political, you know, affairs uh, in, in Bhutan, but, uh, w- you know, what do you think, were your parents, grandparents or great-grandparents born in Bhutan or where they came from? Could you trace your family back in Bhutan? When, when you know, when I,
1: when I say, uh, you know, Subhas Aksari or Nepali speaking, uh, uh, individual people think that I, or my uh, you know, grandfather, my father migrated from Nepal, but that is not a true story. Um, mm-hmm. Everything resembles to people in Nepal, culture, tradition, language, everything, but my grandfather's father was born in Bhutan. And my grandfather, he built a house where my father was, um, not built, he reconstructed a house that his father mm-hmm. built. And then my grandfather was born there. And then my father was born there, and then I was born in that same house. And my grandmother, who is ninety-five years old, is still living in that same house where I was born, and which was built by my great-grandfather.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, that was yeah. Y- y- you had a long story, um, you know, back in Bhutan. Your great-grandparents and grandparents were uh, both born in Bhutan. So you you do claim that you have uh, all the documents uh, necessary to prove your nationality of Bhutan?
1: Of course, yeah. I'm like my mother. uh, My I'm like I still love that red um, citizenship card given by Uh the government of Bhutan. Um, For some reason, we do not have um, the card for my father, but my mother's citizenship card. I still hold it dearly because that is that is you know. um, Uh, A document uh, given by the government uh, to my Mm -hmm. mother to my mother and because I I hold it so dearly because I was born there and I still Mm -hmm. feel the birthrights that I would enjoy is still there so and then and then then my grandmother she is there living at the age of 95 and you know we haven't been able to meet or see
0: each other for last 30 years so you are part of your your immediate family members are still back in Bhutan, and you haven't seen them uh, for thirty years.
1: Oh, my aunts! I'm like my biological aunts, my father's sisters. They are in high government, you know, portfolios in Bhutan. I can't hmm. tell their names right now, but they are serving in 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 Bhutanese bureaucracy in high but, level. And, okay, so.
0: You, you told uh, just before that you have, you know, uh, all the necessary documents to prove, you know, you're a Bhutan citizen. But Bhutan has been, you know, claiming that the people in the camp, they are not from Bhutan, they are from India or Nepal. What do you say to them?
1: You know, this has, I'm like, everybody claims their story is the best and their, their story is the truth. But Bhutan, all it lied. and And that has been, you know, verified and proven because United States of America one of the resettlement countries has accepted those refugees from refugee camps in Nepal as refugees from Bhutan. They were first mm-hmm. of all you know certified as Bhutanese and then were accepted even I'm a citizen now in the US and mm-hmm. if I if I just you know take out my citizenship card and see there, I even don't have to tell it because the U.S. citizenship tells the country of birth is Bhutan. You know, I'm like, I'm, 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 it's not only my claim. I'm, I was okay. born there, but it's not only my claim. But my claim has been, my reality has been verified and certified by international communities. Okay. So you know, I'm like I can present my U.S. citizenship card to the government mm-hmm. of Bhutan and and let them verify and let them tell the government of the U.S that why U.S. has given this citizenship to these people who were not Bhutanists. Can they claim that? No, it has already been verified and certified.
0: Have you, you know, uh, when you, uh, after you become U.S. citizen, have you tried to go, uh, go to visit Bhutan? I tried, but they do not allow. Okay. okay. Because Well, um, I would uh, go ahead. No,
1: because they, they would not allow me to go back to Bhutan because there's a reason. A same citizen here in the U.S. is allowed who, is not from, who, is not, who was not born in Bhutan. But I'm not allowed because I was born in Bhutan. That also tells, you know, anybody born in Bhutan and got evicted are not allowed. That justifies and certifies that that individual is a Bhutanese. Otherwise any other U.S. citizens are allowed but just those u.s citizens born in bhutan are not allowed and and those Mm -hmm. citizens born in bhutan and lived in refugee camps are not allowed that that tells Mm -hmm. Bhutan government is indirectly saying that yes those are those those are my people i evicted
0: yes (laughs) um mr i would like to take you back to bhutan um, you know when I was uh, referring to uh, Bhutan, the Bhutan Citizenship Act of 1985, uh, it says the Article Three states that a person permanently domiciled in Bhutan on or before 31st December 1958, and whose name is re- registered in the census registers, register maintained by the Ministry of Home Affairs, shall deemed to be a citizen of of Bhutan by registration. But when you come back to um uh nationality act um uh, 85 it says the home ministry was established only in 1968 what's your opinion is this a mistake or a technical error or is is there any hidden agenda on this you
1: know um it is a designed grand design uh you know um, project of the government of bhutan the southern belt was still it is uh, except few resettlement you know from the northern part but southern belt is basically you know um, occupied by nepali-speaking people uh, i'm not saying that um, only nepali-speaking people are there but bhutan is a multi-ethnic multicultural country but that has not been accepted by the government of bhutan We will talk about that later on, but Mm -hmm. that was designed because royal royal palace, especially the palace and the ruling uh, ethnic community, the ngalums, felt threat um, of protecting their their superiority. So they designed and started attacking other groups of you know other ethnic groups in the country through 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 different weapons. And one of the weapons was that they, they designed was. 1958 documents and that was just given by the um, home ministry but you know they mm-hmm. failed because home ministry wasn't <laughs> then formed in 1958 yeah. so that was completely uh, kind of like you know fake thing that they wanted to create and and i think initially they wanted to just you know um, uh, dominate or marginalize the southern bhutanese or you know control more on southern part of bhutan but unfortunately this issue has come to international communities, so people are now listening and hearing um, all these, you know, facts. And Bhutan has so hard time, you know, um, telling, you know, admitting the mistakes that they did. That is mm-hmm. why they are. They have been talking now about, you know, gross national happiness, so that they could just I was the international community and still hide their, you know, um, wrongdoings in the past, hide um, the truth, hide the truth. Correct
0: yeah uh, when we when you talk about bhutan you know we always uh talk about one people one nation policy and gnh grossness and happiness but i would like to uh, you know uh ask about uh one people one nation policy it's because it's one of the most controversial uh phrase uh, back in bhutan in the 90s so after 1985 one people one nation policy was imposed so, my research found out that this, in fact, forcefully imposed Drukpa values, customs and traditions in the multi-ethnic and multicultural society. How has this policy impl- implementation affected your life in Bhutan? The
1: policy itself is good. One nation, one people policy. When you, when you listen it, it is interpreted so good to international communities. Mm-hmm. One country, one people, one citizen. One citizen, in a sense, different people unitedly, you know, lived in that country. But the way it is practiced inside Bhutan is different. One nation, one people. So one people in their understanding, in their interpretation, and practice inside Bhutan is just follow the the culture of, you know, ruling elite, ruling community, Ngālums from the north. Follow their religion, follow their tradition, follow their, you know, dress, dress code, costumes, everything nothing else no other communities exist one community that is just that looks like Ngalung community everybody I'm like forget about your language forget about your culture forget about your tradition but follow ours and that is one people that is how that is how it is implemented inside Bhutan but when it comes to you know talk in the international forum the Bhutanese officials, they, they just, i like, phrase it so clean and they define it so, I'm like, alluding and attractive that, oh, we wanted our one country, Bhutan, and and our one people, we are united. But this is not the fact. This is not the not the truth, uh, you know, meaning of one nation, one people policy. Um, okay. it, so- is, it, is, it is designed completely to control, um, you know, um, I would not say simply control, but, you know, um, it's, kind of like, um, um, how do you phrase it? It's just, you know, um, um, tr- slowly um, killing other communities, uh, m- meaning like when culture is not allowed, to, when the cultural things are not allowed to practice, language is not allowed to you, know, um, you know, communi- be means of communication there, then that's how slowly they're enforcing their cultural values, their religious values, their okay. language so, on other communities. That's, that's how it is interpreted there in practice. Okay.
0: So obviously uh, exile Bhutanis, you know uh, have a different opinion on uh, gross national happiness and one people oneness policy. So let's talk about briefly briefly about GNH. So you know GNH has you know four pillars: good governance, uh, sustainable socioeconomic development, the preservation and promotion of culture, and environmental conservation which one you don't like it where is your dissent? you know I'm like
1: when it talks about good governance, what does that mean? I um, how does Bhutan government fulfill that you know criteria? just that first one good governance because there are I'm like out of less than 1 million population hundred plus thousands have been evicted to be refugees. One big mistake, one bad governance and then these people, these evicted people, they stayed in refugee camps and never got chance to go back to Bhutan. That is a good governance. That's how the good governance is defined. Completely not. It should not be, that should not be the definition of good governance. And if even if you see inside Bhutan right now, even, you know, those relatives back in Bhutan, I'm like, they are dying. They are desperate to meet their relatives. I'm like, who have been resettled in different parts of the world. But Bhutan government doesn't allow any of these regional people to go back. Is that a good governance? This should not be the definition of good governance, and I believe it is not. And at the same time, if you go to different parts of the country, remote areas, do not go to specific areas, you know, designed by the government of Bhutan. But if you go to villages, people are, you know, people, they do not know, you know, what is what is going on in the country. They All they know is they have to follow Driglam Namza. Drugan Namza means the rule, um, that the constitution that protects the palace. And it's a a system that has been uh, designed to protect the palace. You know, um, the king still rules, but king exposes so-called democratic government and prime minister to the international communities and says, there is election, there is, um, you know, democracy in Bhutan. And how come, how come, a system that has been granted by a king serves the people. No, um, it serves the palace. So so they, they, have, they have system designed there. They have specific areas for visitors to go and visit. But if you go to remote areas, you still there is lack of good governance in Bhutan. People have been suffering in different aspects.
0: Okay, uh, Mr. Acharya, uh, um, we are almost at the end of our segment uh before uh, we sign up would you like to say something that i have asked in the conversation you know one briefly, thing
1: please. one thing i would like to just urge here is you know bhutan go- government did some kind of mistake in the history so it ha- time has come for the for uh, the government of bhutan and then also the refugees to be together you know um uh, I'm, I'm saying refugees from bhutan to be together through reconciliation process I'm like, I do not say that there were no wrongs from refugee side. There could be, but 70% is on Bhutan government and 30% we are still willing to accept it. But there has to be a way to just, you know, um, find out a common ground so that we reconcile and then find a a new way to just, you know, um, have, um, you know, Bhutanese way now. I think I think this is an uh, this creates an opportunity for Bhutan to have one nation one people moving forward I guess. Thank
0: Great. you. Uh, thank you uh, for listening to Court Marshall. this is your host Shiraz signing off from today's episode. Thank you. Hello, world. Welcome to Court Marshall. My name is Shiraz Budathoki. You can find us in Anchor.fm, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. In our previous episodes, we have listened to horrendous personal life stories, their struggle living in refugee camps, and their lives after resettlement. In the various Western countries. Today, of course, we will listen to the personal experience of our guest, but more importantly, we will devolve into more technical issues that steamed mass expulsion of Lotsamka speakers or the Lotsampa population in the early 1990s. Our guest today is D.P. Kafle. He is a human rights activist. Mr. Kafley was politically active in the early 1990s. He's still active today. He worked for postal services and telegraph and did social work at his village. He volunteered at one of the most ever conducted by the government of Bhutan in 1979. Mr. Kafle left Bhutan in 1989 and continued to contribute to human rights and conflict resolution in Bhutan. He has taken conflict, conflict transformation across cultures in school for international training in Brattleboro, Vermont. Mr. Kafle is a recipient of International Human Rights Award in 2008 in Amritsar, Punjab, India. Mr. Kafle, welcome to the court martial.
2: Uh, thank you, Mr. Suraj.
0: Well, congratulations, Mr. Kafle. Bhutan is now what you have imagined thirty years ago. How do you feel looking at the progress made in Bhutan?
2: Actually, I feel that any country cannot progress by throwing out its citizens and not giving rights to promote the promote and preserve their diverse culture.
0: Well. As you have already shared your disagreement over the progress made in Bhutan, let's talk about it. In retrospect, what Bhutan looked like before the passage of the Nationality Act in 1958?
2: Actually, this National Act 1958 doesn't make any sense because most of the ministries were established after 1960 but it uh, did provide citizenship rights to the people living in Bhutan and completely stop the illegal immigration from 1959. Well, well,
0: this Nationality Act is the most liberal in Bhutan's history. Do you know what changed the attitude of the Bhutanese government to revise it in 1977 and to supersede yet again in 1985?
2: Actually, everyone knows the Citizenship Act was not fair, which made majority of the families divided. The subsequent census required the people to produce an OC, no objection certificate, even though uh, they had the citizenship card with them, even though people were born and lived there for generations. This citizenship act has only agenda, that is to create unsafe environment to the low sampas and to drive them away.
0: I see. So you know, you talk about N O C, and also when we talk about Bhutan, we always you know uh, talk about uh, you know one people one nation policy and G N H. So uh, you know, what was Bhutan's psychology behind bringing this policy? I mean policy one people one nation policy there seem to be two misinterpretations there mm-hmm. there seem yeah but one should be misinterpreting mm-hmm. one do you think what, what is the right uh, interpretation of this in a one people one nation policy
2: the policy was brought for Okay. under the policy of one people one na- nation wearing go and kira means the um and Kira, speaking Zhongha language, compuls- was compulsory. Mandating one language, culture, religion, dress, code, code and stripping of their citizenry rights is pure, pure abuse of human rights. And it's it is sad to say, uh, sad to say that this happened in my own country. And sad well. that. Many Western countries know Bhutan as a land of peaceful dragon and happiness.
0: Well, you know, the, the exiled Bhutanese alleged that the census conducted in 1988 was designed to expel, you know, uh, mostly Sampa or ethnic Nepalese. Why do you think the way the census conducted in 1988 was wrong?
2: The census in 1988 was grand design. Or dip, uh, divide and rule, dividing a family into seven categories, F one to F seven. F one means the pure botanist. Okay, so
0: what other policies? Like we, you, you, you know, share a little bit about N O C and you know uh, one people one in policy. So, what other policies implementation had hurt the Los Sampa population? at that time?
2: Uh, mostly the one people, one nation policy. Chawa, another important thing is that we should uh, mark is Chawasum. Chawasum okay. means three, three elements. King, country and the people. Gross mm-hmm. nation, national happiness, religious, education, culture, etc.
0: So, you know, you know, you've been out, you know, from Bhutan for you know, decades, maybe three decades. So, how many Lotsambas are now in Bhutan? Do you have any knowledge? How many, you know, how they are doing there now?
2: Now, actually, even the government, I think, cannot produce the data, actual data. But to mm-hmm. my knowledge, uh, there are around two hundred and fifty thousand still inside Bhutan. Uh, they, they obey the discriminatory law and always be yes-men for their survival. They cannot go against the king, country and the people, which is Shavasum. If anybody chooses to do so, they will be treated accordingly to the Article 4 of Nationality Act 1992, which says, whoever involved, engaged in terrorism, Acts against our sum or mm-hmm. attempt to so shall be punished with death or be sentenced for life imprisonment.
0: So this is this is uh, in uh, the Nationality Act of 1992. So is yeah. this is this uh, article still in the current Constitution of Bhutan?
2: Yeah, yeah, it is still there.
0: Okay, so. The other other you know uh, you know phrase that the Lhotshampa used or other uh, Western you know human rights activists they use is cultural genocide. Cultural mm-hmm. genocide is another term you know many exiled Bhutanese and other independent observers use. Do you believe on that? Do you agree that Bhutan committed cultural genocide or is still committing cultural genocide
2: in Bhutan? oh uh, actually, it is it's still continuing the cultural genocide, like uh, before Hinduism and Buddhism were in practice, Mm -hmm. Christianity were totally banned. Hindu uh, and the sect of Buddhism from Eastern Bhutan were attacked. Mm -hmm. Hindu organizations are not banned but discouraged, even in the Constitution. The Constitution recognized Buddhism as the state spiritual heritage provides for freedom of religion and bans discrimination based on religion benefits at the same time religious act of bhutan control or doesn't allow christianity even hindu to register their organization bhutan there are over 1000 buddhist organizations currently uh, in
0: practice okay it, it's not just you know expelled or exiled Bhutanese raising their voice against Bhutan but international community keep questioning Bhutan about treatment to Lot population during uh, universal periodic review in United Nations UK and Northern Ireland raised minority rights especially of the uh, Nepali speaking population Belgium mm-hmm. and the Netherlands Spain mm-hmm. especially asked about repatriation of Bhutan refugees and Germany mm-hmm asked about the religious rights pointing religious organization act of 2005 that limits the free exercise of religion. Mm
2: -hmm. What
0: exile Bhutanese or human rights organizations and even civil society doing on this front? Do you have any idea?
2: Yeah, actually uh, we have written many petitions to the various organizations, international organizations and even uh, to the government different governments there should be some independent international organization to mute, uh, mutually uh, settle the uh, this our uh, cause and though it, the phase is over because most of our friends have been resettled in eight four countries united nations is the one uh, of you know, that can mediate i see that
0: Okay, so you are a frontline human rights activist. You have traveled the world and attended and presented at various human rights conferences. Is there any other, is there any other example in the world uh, like this, uh, you know, was solved uh, mutually?
2: Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, oh no, sorry, I have not seen which is solved mutually, but there should be any third party involved to solve this uh, Problem Repartition uh, should uh, be there with safety, security and dignity and honor to their original homeland with the involvement of any internationally recognized organization as third party. This problem cannot be solved mutually as there are no impartial rights organizations functioning in Bhutan till now.
0: I see. So, in your expert opinion, how would this problem be solved so that both of the involved parties would win?
2: Yeah, I have already mentioned that there should be an independent international organization mediating as mutual settling phase, uh, phase is over. So, there should be a, a non-partial, very independent organization which can mediate in between the refugees uh, Nepal and Bhutan, Bhutan stock. Well,
0: uh, hello world. Uh, this is Suraj. Uh, you can find us in anchor.fm breaker, Google Podcasts, pocket cast, radio public and Spotify. Uh, before we, you know, sign up, do you have anything to say?
2: Yeah, actually, this is a, uh, this long has, uh, this long process have been, um, trying from our side for the long time it is uh already more than three decades have been passed away so there, there seems uh, no green signal from Bhutanese side so i request all the international communities to come in forefront and mediate our cause so that we can be repatriated and be happy to stay uh, in our own country like uh, other international communities are staying
0: great um thank you for your time this is shiraz signing up from court martial we will be back next week with a different episode thank you
2: uh, thank you mr shiraz for giving me chance to express my views on my country thank you very much
0: thank you bye-bye bye-bye Hello, world. Welcome to Court Martial. My name is Shiraz Budathoki. You can find us in Anchor.fm, Breaker, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Spotify. In our previous episodes, we have listened to horrendous personal life stories, their struggle living in refugee camps, and their lives after resettlement. In the various western countries. Today, of course, we will listen to the personal experience of our guest, but more importantly, we will divulge into more technical issues that steamed mass expulsion of Lotsamka speakers or the Lotsampa population in the early 1990s. Our guest today is D.P. Kafle. He is a human rights activist, Mr. Kafle was politically active in the early 1990s. He's still active today. He worked for postal services and telegraph and did social work at his village. He volunteered at one of the most ever conducted by the government of Bhutan in 1979. Mr. Kafle left Bhutan in 1989 and continued to contribute to human rights and conflict resolution in Bhutan. He has taken conflict, conflict, transformation across cultures in school for international training in Brattleboro, Vermont. Mr. Kafle is a recipient of International Human Rights Award in 2008 in Amritsar, Punjab, India. Mr. Kafle, welcome
2: to the court-martial. Thank you, Mr. Suraj.
0: Well, congratulations, Mr. Kafle. Bhutan is now what you have imagined 30 years ago. How do you feel looking at the progress made in Bhutan?
2: Actually, I feel that any country cannot progress by throwing out its citizens and not giving rights to promote the promote and preserve their diverse culture.
0: Well. As you have already shared your disagreement over the progress made in Bhutan, let's talk about it. In retrospect, what Bhutan looked like before the passage of the Nationality Act in 1958?
2: Actually, this National Act 1958 doesn't make any sense because most of the ministries were established after 1960 but it uh, did provide citizenship rights to the people living in Bhutan and completely stop the illegal immigration from 1959.
0: Well, well, this Nationality Act is the most liberal in Bhutan's history. Do you know what changed the attitude of the Bhutanese government to revise it in 1977 and to supersede yet again in 1985?
2: Actually, everyone knows the Citizenship Act was not here which made majority of the families divided. The subsequent census required the people to produce an OC, no objection certificate, even though uh, they had the citizenship card with them. Even though people were born and lived there for generations, this citizenship act has only agenda, that is to create unsafe environment to the low and to drive them away.
0: I see. So you know, you talk about N O C, and also when we talk about Bhutan, we always you know uh, talk about uh, you know one people one nation policy and G N H. So uh, you know, what was Bhutan's psychology behind bringing this policy? I mean policy one people one nation policy there seem to be two misinterpretations there mm-hmm. there seem yeah but one should be misinterpreting mm-hmm. one do you think what, what is the right uh, interpretation of this in a one people one nation policy
2: the policy was brought for botanization okay under the policy of one people one na- nation wearing go and kira means the um, and Kira, speaking jongha language, compuls- was compulsory, mandating one language, culture, religion, dress, code, code and stripping of their citizenry rights is pure, pure abuse of human rights. And it's it is sad to say, uh, sad to say that this happened in my own country, and sad that. Many Western countries know Bhutan as a land of peaceful dragon and happiness.
0: Well, you know, the, the exiled Bhutanese alleged that the census conducted in 1988 was designed to expel, you know, uh, mostly Sampa or ethnic Nepalese. Why do you think the way the census conducted in 1988 was wrong?
2: The census in 1988 was grand design or dip, uh, divide and rule, dividing a family into seven categories f1 to f7 f1 means the pure botnist
0: okay so what other policies like we you, you you know share a little bit about noc and you know uh, one people one nation policy so what other policies implementation had hurt the los sampa population at that
2: time uh mostly the one people one nation policy saw another important thing is that we should uh, mark is chawasum chawasum okay. means three, three elements king country and the people gross mm-hmm. nation, national happiness religious education culture etc so you know, you know, you've been out,
0: you know, from Bhutan for, you know, decades, maybe three decades. So, how many lotsampas are now in Bhutan? Do you have any knowledge how many, you know, how they are doing there now?
2: Now, actually, even the government, I think, cannot produce the data, actual data. But to mm-hmm. my knowledge, uh, there are around two hundred and fifty thousand still inside Bhutan. Uh, They they obey the discriminatory law and always be yes-men for their survival. They cannot go against the king, country and the people, which is Shavasum. If anybody chooses to do so, they will be treated accordingly to the Article 4 of Nationality Act 1992, which says, whoever involved, engaged in terrorism, acts against our assume or mm-hmm. attempt to so shall be punished with death or be sentenced for life imprisonment
0: so this is this is uh in uh, the nationality act of 1992 so is yeah. this is this uh article still in the current constitution of bhutan
2: yeah yeah it is still there
0: okay it's, so the other other you know uh, you know phrase that the lhotsampa used or other uh, western you know human rights activists they use is cultural genocide cultural mm-hmm. genocide is another term you know many exiled Bhutanese and other independent observers use. do you believe on that do you agree that bhutan committed cultural genocide or is still committing cultural genocide in bhutan
2: oh uh, actually it is it still continue the cultural genocide, like uh, before Hinduism and Buddhism were in practice, Mm -hmm. Christianity were totally banned. Hindu uh, and the sect of Buddhism from Eastern Bhutan were attacked. Mm -hmm. Hindu organizations are not banned but discouraged even in the constitution. The constitution recognized Buddhism as the state Spiritual heritage provides for freedom of religion and bans discrimination based on religion. Benefits at the same time, mm. religious act of Bhutan control or doesn't allow Christianity, even Hindu, to register their organization. Bhutan there are over 1,000 Buddhist organization currently. Uh, in practice
0: okay it, it's not just you know expelled or exiled Bhutanese raising their voice against Bhutan but international community keep questioning Bhutan about treatment to Los Sampa population during uh, universal periodic review in United Nations UK and Northern Ireland raised minority rights especially of the uh, Nepali-speaking population Belgium mm. and the Netherlands Spain mm-hmm. especially asked about repatriation of Bhutnis refugees and Germany mm-hmm. Asked about the religious rights pointing religious organization act of 2005 that limits the free exercise of religion.
2: Mm-hmm. What
0: exile Bhutanese or human rights organizations and even civil society doing on this front? Do you have any idea?
2: Yeah, actually, uh, we have written many petitions to the various organizations, international organizations, and even uh, to the government different governments there should be some independent international organization to mut- uh, mutually s- uh, settle the uh, this our uh, cause and though it, the phase is over because most of our friends have been resettled in eight four countries united nations is the one uh, of, you know, that can mediate i see that
0: Okay, so you are a frontline human rights activist. You have traveled the world and attended and presented at various human rights conferences. Is there any other, is there any other example in the world uh, like this? Uh, you know, was solved uh, mutually.
2: Yeah, I've seen that. Uh, oh no, sorry, I have not seen which is solved mutually. But there should be any third party involved to solve this. Uh, Problem. Repartition uh, should uh, be there with safety, security and dignity and honor to their original homeland with the involvement of any internationally recognized organization as third party. This problem cannot be solved mutually as there are no impartial rights organizations functioning in Bhutan till now.
0: I say so in your expert opinion, how would this problem be solved so that both of the involved parties would win?
2: Yeah, I've already mentioned that there should be an independent international organization mediating as mutual settling phase, uh, phase is over. So there should be a, a non-partial, very independent organization which can mediate in between the refugees uh, Nepal and Bhutan, Bhutan stock.
0: Well, uh, hello world. Uh, this is Suraj. Uh, you can find us in anchor.fm breaker, Google podcasts, Cast, radio public and Spotify. Uh, before we, you know, sign up, do you have anything to say?
2: Yeah, actually, this is a uh, this long has, uh, this long process have been, um, trying from our side for a long time, it is uh, already more than three decades have been passed away. So there, there seems uh, no green signal from Bhutanese side. So I request all the international communities to come in forefront and mediate our cause so that we can be repatriated and be happy to stay uh, in our own country like uh, other international communities are staying. Great.
0: Um thank you for your time. This is Shiraz signing off from Court Martial. We will be back next week with a different episode. Thank you.
2: Uh, thank you, Mr. Shiraz, for giving me chance to express my views on my country. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Bye bye.
2: Bye bye.